say it. You are recording on your end? Yeah, the show started. Come on. Do the intro. Welcome to reinventing. Welcome to reinventing education. I'm Bob Welcome to the Reinventing Education Podcast. This is a podcast for anybody interested in the reinvention of education. I'm Rob McLeod, and as always, joined by the bright-eyed and bushy-tailed Brendan O'Leary. How are you, Brendan? Fine, Rob. Out on bail, living the higher life. Ah, uh, this this is what I've wanted for you, so I'm glad it's finally... Uh, it's something we haven't mentioned, but the other the, the previous 30 episodes that have been on the iron vacation behind bars, um, cleared now of all, of all, that little old lady accused me of stealing a, a Twix and a Kit Kat. She realized the Twix and the Kit Kat were in the fridge the whole time, and now I'm free. You were telling Hallelujah. the truth the whole time. I'm, gonna I'm glad your myself. vision board, I'm glad your vision board on Pinterest, all those freedom images helped to bring that into your life. Oh yeah, these colors do run. That's a, Speaking of do run, that reminds me of the valves in a sports car, which kind of sounds like values, which is what we've come here to discuss today. It is. We're going to discuss the concept of a value. We have spoken at great lengths about these ideas of values that are at the core of our very uh, reinventing education concept. Um, and we're really at the point where we are not able to get any further into the, the woods of education until we actually kind of dig into what a value is, how we're defining that word. If you go back to our first episode, we talked about values in education. I think it's been uh, not even an elephant in the room because we didn't even know it was there to not mention, but we realized we don't actually know what we're talking about when we talk about the word values. But rather to spin that in a positive way, this point in our conversation, this point in our narrative, I think has given us the opportunity to actually define what values are. And I think it's going to be really useful for people when they look into their schools, look into what they're doing as a teacher, look into what we're doing with students and likely not just present a new perspective, but I really think as people begin to hear this narrative and apply it, it will be very useful um, within human communities that are doing school. So shall we do a quick recap first yeah um so we, thanks we i'll do it you want to do it <laughs> okay it's your it's your it's your ball go for it <clears throat> so we're laying out a map to talk about education with and so far our map has a few parts we're going to add a new part to it today what we've already established are that there are three aims of school those three aims of school being occupational preparation so to get you ready for the job market or the next stage of school it's one of the other aims of school is also to get you ready to be a member of the citizenry so the cultivation of citizenship is another aim. And the third aim, often focused on the least, though, is this concept of self-development. So developing the individual. Now, how to go about that, and this is where our conversation is going, is influenced by four different values primarily that we're seeing at Plan Education. And we're calling those four values security, achievement, achievement inclusion, inclusion, and, and integration. integration. And that's what today's episode is about, is to talk about what a value is and how it has influence in education. And then as well, we've talked about four perspectives or four quadrants in education um, connected to kind of different 
pronoun perspective. So an I, we, an it, and an its perspective. And what we're talking about specifically is if you want to talk about education, which is the giving and receiving of systematic instruction, what are you talking about? Well, you're talking about one of these four quadrants or one of these eight aspects. We're kind of saying there's two aspects in each quadrant. So you're either talking about the reactions or beliefs happening in the interiors of the individuals involved, whether those individuals are students, teachers, administrators, parents, neighbors of the school, etc. In the lower left quadrant or perspective, we've got the two aspects of communities and cultures. In the upper right, the exterior of the individual, where we could talk about the activities involved with the giving or receiving of systematic instruction, or as well the resources. We And finally, in the lower right, we've got the systems and the environment of the giving and receiving of systematic instruction. So those are the pieces of our map so far. And what we want to talk about today is this idea of values, what they are, to set ourselves up to talk about the health in values. Our last episode, we talked about the difference between individual health and community health. So individual health being a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being with the ability to adapt and manage challenges. And the idea of community health being determined by the environmental characteristics, behavioral characteristics, social cohesion in the environment of that community. Um, Essentially also discussing the idea that you have the resources to get what you want and need. So this kind of feels like the Too Many Cooks YouTube video or some kind of like 80s sitcom right now where we had like a three minute intro to the episode introducing all the characters and personalities. Now it's time to actually begin this episode, bring Carl Winslow into the living room with us and uh, talk about what a value is. So O'Leary... What is well, a value? So we, we began with the idea that we had these four values of security, achievement, inclusion, integration, and a school is favoring one of these values over the other. Um, and we kind of left it there and it made a lot of sense to us. And now we're getting to the point, well, each of these value systems can be healthy. Therefore, all of the individuals in the community are in some kind of healthy state and in balance and in alignment or an unhealthy state. But before... Before we can dig into what a healthy security value is or a healthy achievement value is, we kind of need to go and define that value. So essentially, the world is um, the world is a, a really complicated place, and it's increasingly complicated. We need something within our schema, within our minds, to help us to organize our experiences and to understand the world. Our kind of influencing value is how we are saying we do this. So we have an influencing value. And let's say, for example, security is your influencing value or integration is your influencing value. Each of the values says that some things are more important than others. Some of our experiences are more important and they should be filtered and they should be interpreted in a certain way. So each of these influencing values sorts and organizes and gives meaning to our experiences in the world in a different way. One, one way we could think of this, and I'm just coming up with this off the fly, so maybe this falls apart, but it would almost be like you've got four different people 
let's pretend each of these people represent one of these four values or are being influenced or kind of governed by one of these values. And let's just say you had a deck of cards with like 52 different images on it. Everything from eggplants egg to, to a church. church to who knows what, like a boxer to Ernest this Borgnine. year's <laughs> to Ernest Borgnine. This year's Harvest, early David Bowie 45s, whatever. You've got the full range of human experience represented in these cards. And you asked each person to kind of like organize the deck. Like what stuff, put these cards in order from greatest importance to least importance. I think what would happen is all four would have obviously different orders, but probably substantially different ideas about what would be in the top half of the deck or in the bottom half. Or at least I would be curious to sit down and see what the top five most important and the top five least important things look like to these different values. Because essentially we're saying world's a complicated place. You got all these cards coming at you constantly. You need some way to organize these to take action, to live, to exist in this world. And we're saying that the influencing value does this job. It helps you to kind of sort the cards, sort in order, and figure out what is more or less important. Now, in doing so, it also acts kind of like colored sunglasses. Like it also influences what you believe the actual world out there itself is like. So it's not just that everyone is seeing the same world and having different responses to it, but all four of these are creating a different concept of what the actual world itself is. We're all getting the same, I guess, perceptions or input, but our interpretation of that is influenced by these influencing values. Is that, check me out though, is that correct or would you argue with this? I th This makes sense to me that you know, our kind of physical sensory stimulus may be the same, but what you see and how you interpret it is going to be different based on this kind of guiding value that's asking you these same key questions over and over again of, does this make sense? Is this good? Is this helpful? Is this going to hurt me in some way? And does so this matter we, or is this irrelevant? Does this not matter? Yeah, how relevant is this? I mean, it's well known that we more or less, um, we, will, we will completely dismiss things that we do not see as relevant. And we've all by this point surely sat through the basketball gorilla video where the gorilla comes in and we just ignore it because our brains are fixated on something else. In this case, that our value filter acts like that all the time. So there could be multiple gorillas in our basketball game. We're not paying attention to them if our value does not put any importance on them. And so what you talked about then, I think, was kind of our input, our sensory input. So we've all received similar inputs, but we are our cognition on that is different. So our schema will take that information in in different ways, in different amounts. And then what it will do is it will do something with that information. And again, that's heavily based on our influencing values. So we may have interpreted something quite similar, but then once we begin to ask that question of, does this, do I have to fix something? Or can I, can I, does this help me to maintain my worldview? Because I think the next part of this is that our value is basically how we project out the utopia or how the world should be. And so I think that's the next stage in this kind of like understanding of a value. We've had the input. Well, now we've got the cognition and that's based heavily on our interpretation of what the world 
should be. None of these values have a monopoly on the truth. Each of them is a partial attempt to organize the world because in and of themselves, by their definition, they are an editing mechanism. They are... It's like you're taking an image on your screen and zooming in on some parts and then actually cutting out other parts. So you could imagine all four of these having the same picture in front of them, but zooming in and overemphasizing or just emphasizing some aspects of that image more, but at the same time and simultaneously cutting out parts of that image at the same time. So because it's not including everything, all of them will be partial in some way. And by being partial in some way, all of these will get something right. But inevitably, there'll be things that they're each missing and therefore not getting things right. And, you know, there's no secret that we've based these ideas off of spiral dynamics work. Um, originally, the work began with researcher Claire Graves. And over the last, I think, since the late 60s, early 70s, you know, this research has continued. It's been done around the world, across cultures. And this model seems to hold up fairly well. Aspects of it have been taken and adapted into the kind of integral theory stages. Um, but the stages, whether or not you agree with Claire Graves and Spiral Dynamics or integral theory, they're mirrored across several developmental models of cultural development, ego development, personal development. This idea that there are stages of development um, where we grow to include more complexity. And using the Spiral Dynamics model, it's arguing that these aren't happening by fluke or in and of themselves. These values are arising as adaptive responses to living conditions. And the reason we're seeing each of these values represented in school is school is attempting to be a response to living conditions. It's a, We've talked about the three aims. It's attempting to assist the workplace. It's attempting to assist our economy and our job market. It's attempting to assist our citizenry. It's attempting to assist and it's aiming to push the development of individuals. And all of those things are in response to living conditions. And over time, though, we never have these living conditions in isolation. That being said, you also never have in reality any one of these values in total isolation itself either. But what we are going to attempt to do either by the end of this episode, the next episode, but certainly the few episodes after that is to look at each of these values, do the thought experiment that we can actually put it into isolation and go into depth about what it does have right, which I guess essentially we're calling healthy to some degree, but I think you'll probably want to pin me to the wall on that one. But also there are things, blind spots, things that it's missing and just incorrect, I guess, assumptions that they're making. Well, I, I think you're, I agree with you there that this kind of organizing value is how we're attempting to make sense of a particular existence and a world around us. And I think I the spiral dynamics model makes sense in a lot of ways that the security value was responding to a world, emerged in a world where maybe there was not enough security, where security was beginning to become more and more desired by the people in those communities. The argument then, as we made earlier, is that we transitioned into an achievement uh, kind of paradigm. And then again, with this idea, it didn't happen overnight, but the worldview uh, changed and that guiding or that informing value little by little moved from one that was, was focused on security into one that, that privileged the idea of achievement over security. 
But just to kind of go back to the idea that everybody, no matter what their kind of guiding value is, they're attempting to make sense of the world. And we have this idea of what the world should be, which is um, going to be created from our from a combination of our genetics and our, our actual lived experiences. And as well, it's important to point out that we are also saying that each value arises in response to the previous value. I think as you were starting to allude to there, that the shortcomings of the security value are what those shortcomings and problems that it introduced that hadn't existed previously were then addressed and in many ways solved by the achievement value that came after it. But not but the achievement value wasn't perfect. It brought new problems online that hadn't existed with the level of complexity of the stages before it. And it's brought new challenges and problems. And what's the line? I think it's incorrectly attributed to Einstein, but you can't solve a problem with the same level of consciousness that created it. It then takes the inclusion value to address and solve some of those problems because it has a fundamentally new framework or maybe another way of saying that it doesn't have the limitations of being stuck in the achievement closed loop ecosystem it can bring new aspects to or new approaches to each of the aspects in the quadrants it can bring new reactions and beliefs new approaches to communities and cultures new activities new resources new systems new environments and those that new next stage can actually address the limits of the previous stage. So each stage, these aren't random things or even just a matter of preference, we're saying. We're saying each has historically emerged out of the previous value system in response to it and attempting to make up some of the, I guess, shore up some of those shortcomings. I guess this this gets us to the, I guess, third step of where the the value prism kind of works in terms of our experience. So we talked about how it influences what we actually pay attention to and and give uh, precedence to. It also then in terms of the cognition, it, and again, none of these actually exist in isolation, of course, but these are just a simplified way of guiding us through this kind of process. Um, The cognition is where we then apply these ideas of what should the world actually be like in terms of what we've just uh, experienced. And then we get to the third stage, which would be our response, our output. And the way we see it here is that all of our responses are an attempt to either fix or maintain or improve the world based on this concept of what the world should be. So we're asking ourselves those key questions again. If you are a if if your guiding value is security, you will ask yourself, do I need to fix this place to make it more secure? Or how can I maintain the level of security I have? How could I even improve this security? Uh, Likewise, for all of these values that we'd spoken about. So the inputs and the sensory inputs, the cognition, and then our responses or outputs. It's as though all paths lead back to the value in the end. When we look into any of those four perspectives, any of those four quadrants and their aspects within them. It's like our value is at the center or at the core or at the root of any of our responses. So we ask like, how can we have more security or what 
here would reinforce or maintain security in our communities, in our cultures? What activities will reinforce security? What resources reinforce security? What systems, what environments reinforce security? What reactions, what beliefs reinforce security? And we can ask that question with any of the values across these quadrants. And it's important to notice this because each value will have fundamentally different answers for what should be filled in in those quadrants. If this is a coloring book, it would color in different colors for each of those. And yeah, to some degree, you know, even in that lower right, the systems and environment, there are physical characteristics you can look to in societies that are representing this. You know you're in a security society when there's you know, a medieval town with a wall around the city. You know, you've got the lookout posts everywhere. The whole thing is built to make sure people can't get in that shouldn't be getting in. Then you look at the environment and the systems of a more achievement-valued society, and you see that it's largely based around ensuring that commerce can carry itself out as efficiently as possible. So kind of the more modern city kind of look. Here's where the employees live. Here's where the businesses are. How do we ensure that you know, all of the, our space is being used to support this achievement? And then inclusion, I think this gets a little bit blurry because largely our world is still very informed by this achievement value. But you know, if you get 100 people together who share this inclusion value, they're likely not going to choose to get together in skyscrapers or medieval villages. You know, it's likely nature. It's not likely something um, sustainable. It's likely something a little more gentle or inclusive. It's or a hippie kindness. commune, isn't it, Rob? It's a hippie commune. Say it. Don't be afraid. It, it's bloody. It can, it's a bloody it can field be a full hip- of hippies. It can be a mud pool of hippies, but it's not limited to that. It could also very much be um, a building, an environment where all people can access, can be included. And it doesn't even have to be the physical space at that point. This is, I think, where you start to move into the more virtual spaces and, and people not being limited to, to time and place as well. Whatever it is that serves the inclusion of people. And maybe that inclusion isn't served by places. This is maybe a tangent. Maybe this gets cut from the, the final episode. But my point is, in each of these perspectives in each of these quadrants each value will manifest itself very differently and the reason it looks different is because it's attempting in all of these boxes to reinforce itself and ensure its continuation or even its propagation light light not dense easy chats there easy stuff easy stuff but we have we have the whole community taking in this stimulus thinking about it and acting on it in these four areas, these four perspectives. And so the community is uh, in a kind of feedback loop and it's reacting to the environment. And we're going to argue over the next few weeks, there's a context where the security value in these four quadrants can be balanced so that the entire community is at its best. Everybody is operating at the very best they can. Um, but what best is, is going to look very different in every time period, in every context. And, but I think walking away from this discussion now, if I can get in my head that our guiding value, first of all, filters what we perceive, then once again, filters how we think about 
the world and then once again filters how we act on it. We're essentially running all of our experiences through this kind of value several times and therefore if we differ in any way on what we believe the guiding value should be we're going to see very different responses and i think to Does make, that make this sense? yeah well let's make this a concrete example you got four people and certainly i think we've sat through this on the staffs we've been you could have four people each being influenced by one of these four values and you're talking about some issue in the school or an event that happened Let's walk through those three levels of filtering you just talked about. First of all, the four of us might literally be hearing about a different event. Some of us might think this is a great thing, while some of us might think this is the worst thing ever in the world. So the actual like influence of the thing we're hearing about is influenced by our value. But if you see, like, a, let's say an, an assembly, for example, that all four teachers have sat, and maybe there's been a small presentation by some students or a presentation about sports in the school or whatever, each of those four teachers will have perceived it differently. They'll have heard different words emphasized. They'll have, they'll have paid attention to different things within the room. And so noticed different we, things that were missing from it too. Exactly. And so it's not just about what we have. We're noticing what's broken. We're noticing what's not what's falling apart and we're noticing what actually is an opportunity to improve through our own kind of guiding value. So we're all sitting down with first question, what did we see and hear? Four totally different answers. How does this align with how the world should be? Four completely different answers again. Then finally, what should we do about it? Four completely different answers. Um, and if we go we back to this idea... this for the next 45 minutes, if you like, Rob. <laughs> well, even there, just mathematically... And I don't want to just bring this back to pointing out this is why we can often disagree so much in education, but just mathematically, like you could have maybe at least through some interpersonal skills been able to see that someone saw it differently than you. You could like tick that first box, but then still get lost on those next two steps. Or you could maybe even do those first two of like, okay, you kind of got how someone else saw this and, you know, you're able, how should I word this segment? Like you're able to frame it or like... Um, yeah, I guess it's just thinking about it in terms of what the world should be. Should so you be. may be able to understand their vision of the world. You may be able to understand what they've seen and heard on some level. You may be able to get on board with their vision of the world and get a good understanding of that. But then you could still, after all that, like lose the first, third round of establishing what's the best action forth or what's the best response oh, they might to give it. you some you're like i thought this i thought i know I, I was on board with it when you said you know i noticed xyz i even get your kind of worldview but but you're you're insane if you think that that's what we need to do about it to to make this place better and the opposite can be true too that you don't agree on the first two but you both say you agree on the action but then once you pursue that action, things can fall apart because you start to realize like, oh, we're not doing this for the same reasons. We've got the same end, but very different means that have got us here. And if we need to make some secondary kind of decision about how to carry this out, things might totally fall apart because we fundamentally disagree on why we've chosen the same action. So yeah, we could role play this out and like walk through, help me out, O'Leary. I'm horrible at math here. If you've got four different values and three separate stages, they could fall apart. Mm. That's four times. It's a million. That's over. That's over. It's well, no, it's exactly one million. One million exactly possible. 
one million. Out comes to that. And that's a conservative estimation, Rob, because <laughs> everybody's got an opinion. And so, you know, obviously we are boiling these down to the, to the pure, let's say archetypal, even stereotypical kind of ideas, but we got to start somewhere. We're trying to make sense of this this crazy world, and we're trying to say that there are things in education to us that we can that we say should be fixed, maintained, and improved. We're trying to operate from that integration mindset, which, which says that one of the biggest drawbacks of the of the security, achievement, and inclusion values is that generally they saw their mindset was the correct one and would favor it over the others even when maybe it wasn't for the best. And I guess the key characteristic here of the integration value is this idea of integrating those three and saying there's a time and place for each. And you guys didn't know this or notice it perhaps. There there are huge gifts and you're totally right about many things in many contexts, but you've also got drawbacks and we often use this line of the baby in the bathwater. The integration value is going to try and separate the baby from the bathwater and keep what was positive without erasing it entirely, but at the same time not, or at least attempt to not be kind of held back by the previous values limitations. Yeah, of course, that is not to say that operating from this integration value means that we have answers. It's only that we're aiming to look at the the values as they exist and have existed and look for what each one um, presented that we should still be doing in terms of supporting humans as they grow and and attempt to navigate this very complex kind of world we are in. Um, So if we are able then to wrap this up and we are ready now, I guess, in the next episode, the next section to start saying like, how would we know if a value was actually being held? We know what health is. We think we know what a value is. If you are led by a security value, how do we know that you are being a healthy version of that security value? If inclusion is your your leading value, your guiding value, how do we know what the healthiest version of that is? Cliffhanger. Yeah, there's the cliffhanger. That's where we go next. All righty. Looking forward to it. So shall we just wrap this show up and say goodbye to each other? But not not before we do quick jokes. It's joke time. You you like this joke segment, don't you? I do. My favorite podcasts always end with a jokes segment. But last time, if you remember, we also did a a hymn. We did do a hymn. continuing that? No, that Um, that was a one-off. Could we also do um, maybe a... A chant or or a dance, a radio you, you a dance. dance, a dance. <laughs> radio magicians. Just, a radio dance where we describe the the movements that were happening in front of me. Uh, touch knee, touch knee. Raise right hand. Raise. It it doesn't necessarily translate directly. You know, I like to try and overcome the the constraints of the medium. All right, hit me with a joke, Mac. Well, I like most people my age are, are thirty seven. A Mexican magician says he will disappear on the count of three. He says, unos, dos, and then poof, he disappeared without a trace.
I got these jokes are garbage that I've got here. Here we go. Here's a Japanese one. Knock, knock. Who's there? <laughs> that's, that's not how these work, is it? Okay. No. Let me try again. Knock, knock. Who's there? Hike. Hike who? Oh, I didn't know you were into Japanese poetry. I didn't know you were named after a form of Japanese poetry. <laughs> Guy walks into a bar, orders a fruit punch. Can you imagine that? Bartender says, pal, if you want a punch, you have to stand in the line. Guy looks around, but there's no punch line. Oh, and how does the Very joke meta. end? Very m- it end, it ends with sad confusion. What's the best thing about Switzerland? I don't what? know, but the flag is a big plus. That's a good one, right? That's a good one. <laughs> That's just from that Reader's Digest, um, the same one that all the, the best jokes come from. <laughs> Guys, we're not being paid to say this, but you should really read the Reader's Digest joke pages if you want to. If you want to get your invent education reinvented, that's where I'd go first. Brendan, you're from England. How do you get to? Oh no, I I screwed this up. So hey, you like line. the sea? Yeah, I love the sea. How do you get two whales? How do you get two whales in a car? Then start then in England ends. and drive west. Down the M6 through Wrexham. Oh, thanks. You're a good GPS for England. And now, Rob, if you do that little blurb you do at the end. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to to go to our almost defunct Facebook page, great. Do it. Facebook's over. Do it. And also Twitter. Also, find us on ICQ. Find us on the 1989 Tim Berners-Lee Internet Message Boards before the internet got polluted by trolls. Trolls like you probably, you guys. Some of you. All right, I think we've reached the length at which this can be classed a show. So, all right, that's the end now then. See you, everyone. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Rob. We hope this episode has been interesting. If you want to connect, we're on Twitter, or you can join our private Facebook group just searching Reinventing Education Podcast. Request, and we'll let you in. We're kind of building a community there. So far, it's kind of been sharing news stories that reinforce our narrative about the four values competing against one another in education, but let's see if we want to organize to do more than that there. Feel free to pass this episode on to others who give a damn about what's going on in education, From Brendan and myself, attention is a valuable thing these days. Thanks for having some of yours on what we're saying. Recording? We are recording. Clap. And my vocals are about that. Okay. So until that airplane goes past? Can you hear it? No. Okay. Is it past? Kind of. <laughs> I want you to go back and listen to the way you just said kind of. It was nice.
And he was a fucking idiot for Robert Abordiri. Hello, Robert. The, uh, I, I can't remember all of my terminology right now, but 